If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You are now listening to Ross and Mount on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alon Danziger. And I'm Rachel Teichman. We have quite, quite an episode for you this week. I would say this is a long time coming. I never would have thought that this would ever be happening. That's a very emphatic statement coming from you. This is possibly the most flaming episode I will ever be a part of, and it's only downhill from here. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid Alon will fire me after this. Until then, we still have a whole new year coming up. For this month of Lost and Rewound, we've got a lot of great episodes coming at you. So happy December. It's my birthday month. I gotta say, I'm in a good place right now. And if you want to be in our good place and feed off our positive vibrations. I vibe. I'll vibe with you. Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Email us your submissions. Email us your ideas. Email us your pitches. Uh, you know, we want to hear what you may have to be uh, graced with the chance to get embarrassed with us here in the rec room here in beautiful, beautiful Bushwick. Without further ado, I think we should get started. I would, I would say so. Massachusetts-based singer-songwriter whose latest album is out entitled The Mess We Make. If you want to catch her live, and you should, look no further than stageit.com, where she will be performing a live streaming show on Sunday, December 15th at 6 p.m. You can also catch her on YouTube with her kitten cam, Club Smoosh. Hello! Hello, hello, and thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to be getting a phone call. I feel like we never get any phone calls anymore. It's wonderful. This is so wonderful. Do they write you letters? How does it work? I I wish. Sarah, this is so great. (laughs) Welcome to the show. And I'm grateful that uh, your relationship with Rachel, evidently, that goes previously to this show, uh, has brought us to this moment. Uh, How did you guys meet each other? You had a show that Rachel attended? Rachel might know better than me because I play a lot of shows. Yeah, that is pretty much exactly what happened. I was a young lad. And, um, you know how young lads are, they find artists and enjoy them. And then, um, they search anxiously on the internet to see if they have any shows. And sure enough, I found one. And then in the car on the way there, I brought my best friend Paige, my dad brought us, and we drew a picture of Pikachu that looked like you. I remember that. Yeah. And we gave it to you, and you like yep. sent me a picture of it on your refrigerator like five years later. <laughs> it was on my refrigerator for a really long time. Yeah, I to like, yeah, I really relish those those little like creative things that people bring, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna keep this. Yeah, it's like a little, it's like a trophy or like a little like 
on a bad day, you're like, well, look at somebody made you a Pikachu. And it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. You you had a 13-year-old super fan, and um, that's how we met. When did you start performing? I feel like I was a bit of a late bloomer in terms of performing, because early on, I thought I just wanted to do musical theater, so I thought I was doing a lot of auditioning and stuff in New York. I didn't really get serious about my own performing career until I got rejected enough. <laughs> and then I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to make my own music. Haha. <laughs> so it's probably around like 25, 26 that I just really delved into making my own music and, and not waiting for somebody else to say, okay, you're, you're casting in the show or okay, you can do this. Like, Did you uh, go to undergrad for four years in a sort of uh, conservatory type of capacity? I did. Yes, I did. I went to Westminster Choir College, which is the only choir college I think in like, the world, maybe. Um, but you would sing in a choir every single day, and it was very much steeped in a classical music kind of setting. And a lot of us are groomed to think that we're going to like actually get jobs when we get out singing, which is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, well, isn't that know, what? So, yeah, then that's what that's what you're yeah. going to school for, right? You're going to school because that's what you're going to do for your profession, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. I want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm um, going to get paid for what I love. Exactly, exactly. I was very fortunate to have a uh, wonderful advisor. Her name was Diana Crane, and uh, she taught one of the things she did was teach German classes. So we called her Frau Frau Crane. But uh, besides the German, she was also my advisor, and she was one of the really grounded faculty that was like you don't think you're actually going to get out of the school and just sing, right? Like, what are you going to do? You need to have some other marketable skills. Um, thanks to her, uh, I, I did pursue some other things that allowed me to, uh, you know, pay bills. Like sure. what? Yeah. Well, uh, let's see. Early on, she encouraged me to get an internship outside of the college, which was really helpful. So I started working in theater, which isn't any really not any more lucrative than performing, but uh, I started working with Princeton University's theater department. And because of that, I got involved with scenic painting and eventually I became the scenic charge for the theater department at Princeton University. Amazing. Which pays money for painting things. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You were so you were spending a lot of time in New Jersey, at, you know, at this time in your life. I was, I was. Everybody has to spend some time in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you very well. Find yourself. <laughs> I spent Not- plenty of time in New Jersey, more than <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. Well, where yeah. where are you from exactly again, Rachel? I'm from New Jersey, but where in New Jersey? In Bergen County. Okay, about twenty minutes from the GW. Okay. And so it came to be that you uh, saw a show within your state that Sarah was playing at. Sarah, when you were in, in this time of your life where you're uh, trying on other things and then you, 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 we weren't necessarily playing music on your own at this point, but there was such an itch, I imagine, to get out there and perform in some way. Um, what was your experience like with local music scene? Um, I feel like the New Jersey music scene was a little more welcoming to cover bands or punk bands. And so there wasn't like a really thriving uh, 
singer songwriter slash listening room slash more like folky kind of scene. Um, and so I've had to kind of make my way. And so I, I started some uh, concert series. I started a thing called Indie Music Night where uh, I got other artists to come and I just told the audience to shut up <laughs> and listen. And that was kind of the, the beginning of my, I don't know, my, my, my career, I guess in New Jersey, as far as being a singer songwriter, sure. it wasn't, there we, weren't a lot of coffee houses or it wasn't Vermont, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I guess the point is, is that you're going to be in a new place that isn't where you grew up and no matter what, mm-hmm. that you can always come back. And the fact that you were in a much different area, you establish a different network and you must be like continuing, I imagine, even being on your own to stay in touch with all of these amazing uh, talent, you know, that you worked with. Um, what kind of uh, band setup yeah. do you usually have when you're on the road? Honestly, if I'm on the road, it's just me because I can't at this point afford to like have a band backing me up. But generally in like New England or New Jersey, I have some beautiful bass players, uh, Jay Buchanan and Dave Love Burnett. Jay. Yeah. They're just wonderful people that I've been working with for a really long time. And since you know, a fair amount of my music is played on ukulele, it's really nice to have the bass there to support that. Yeah. Um, and so I'll work with them. But, like, if I'm on a tour or, you know, yeah, like in Tampa, like, I'm going to be in Tampa next week, you know, I, I, it's just going to be me and my instruments, and it's more of a, that, that's sort of where I, I needed to find spaces where I could do, like, a listening room kind of concert or house concert, because uh, you're just not going to be able to compete with any kind of venue where folks are drinking and talking all the way through your set. Yeah, I, I feel that. Sorry, it was the indie. Remind me one more time. It was the indie. <laughs> it was called. It was called indie music night, which yes. uh, did get confused with like Indian music night a few times, and we would have some uh, Indian families that would show up. Oh at dear! The door. Incredible! Oh dear! I, I thought. <laughs> which was like, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, that's amazing. That's wonderful. That's so, yeah. It, it was very early on in the series where we'd see like, because it was, it was sort of like in a building that was set back in a field. And you see, like, these shadows coming in from the field that have, like, saris on. And um, it's like, wow, there's these very exotic people coming to see the show. And then it's like, they thought there was, like, actual Indian music. And it was like, I'm sorry, we didn't. Were they content with what you could do? No, they left. Oh. When, when did you pick up a ukulele for the first time? I don't even know. It's been with me for so long. Was it a transformative moment? Yeah, how'd you get it? How'd you get a ukulele? How did a ukulele enter your life? <laughs> there was a baby on the street and they had it in the stroller next door. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I, I probably thought, my guess is I probably saw somebody else doing it. I was like, I could do that. Um, <laughs> but the it was the baritone ukulele that I started with because um, the baritone ukulele has the same tuning as the guitar. Um, and the highest four strings, so you can trick people into thinking you can play two instruments really well. Well, you can, but really, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you just uh, you kind of uh, fake it. Exactly. <laughs> that's what. So, that's awesome. But, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, I can't give you a timeline. I have no idea when I picked that up. I, I actually, in all honesty, didn't realize that there was a difference uh, between uh, different ukuleles, but a, a, you said it was a, oh, bar- yeah. a baritone ukulele. You're only scratching mm-hmm. the surface of the world mm-hmm. of ukulele. Yeah. I mean, I I scratched uh, only a little bit of this particular ukulele in Hungerford, UK, uh, when I was at a random antique store. I didn't know if I tuned it appropriately, but it was definitely out of tune when I picked it up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's different tunings that you can uh, you can use, and then depending on like the strings that you buy, it's an oyster waiting for you to open. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about uh, your your involvement with cats. You, you I, I heard that you're getting. There's a lot going on here. Were, were, you you were just recently at KittyCon. Um, have you been to KittyCon in years past? No, I have not been to KittyCon in years past. This is sort of uh, this was a first territory this was, for me. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I knew there was a cat. There's a big cat con in Los Angeles uh, every year, but I've recently delved into being booked for a few cat cons and some cat cafes. And I think it's a slippery slope from there, man. Mm. It's just I love a cat cafe. Yeah, I've been me to Conico yeah. over or K O N E K O over in the Lower East Side is a great one. My newest travel thing, it's always been wherever I go somewhere new, I always focus on the local food scene over anything else. But now added to that, I go to every cat cafe in every major destination that I go to. That is such a good idea. Also, look up on Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights, right by our friend Will, who could not make it for this week. Uh, he uh, is right by the Brooklyn Cat Cafe, which is there too. So, hey, oh. if you need the hookup for where to go, we'll Cat Cafe. We know what Cat Cafes are. Or uh, Catsbury Park in Asbury Park, New Jersey. I've heard of that one. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Gotta go that one now. My favorite one though is in Paris. Not gonna lie, like it. That one, it just <laughs> it's better than the U.S. cat cafes. It's fancy. Do they have baguettes? I don't know that that cafe had baguettes, but they had a lot of really fun desserts. That works too. That sounds about right for Paris. Yeah, and also cat cafes in general. In general, yeah, sure. Listen, you know the the involvement with cats. I love, I'm involved with dogs and, uh, you know, both in personal and vocational, but uh, you've really made. Uh, I'm sorry, a, that was that was a ridiculous statement and I really liked it. <laughs> but I, I am I'm applauding Sarah's uh, love and attention to her cats. I relate to it. I really, really love it. As Rachel had mentioned to you, Sarah, about you, Sarah, uh, how long have you been putting on videos with your cats? Uh, about two years. I mean, so we have a, a, a live stream 24-7 of our foster cats, oh which is God. called Slip Smoosh, and that's been going on for two years. But as far as, like, using cats um, for my evil marketing purposes, that's been going on for probably, like, 10 or 15 years now. Yeah. I've been rescuing cats for a Amazing. really long time. It that's works. And I like, I like dogs, too. I just want to put that out there. Like, I grew up with a dog. I think there are animal. I don't think there are cat and dog people, in my opinion. There are animal people. And non-animal people. That's hey. Yeah, you could not have said yeah. it better myself. Speaking some truth. I'm yep. the inverse. I had two cats growing up, and though I have a cat mm-hmm. now, the sheer amount of dogs that I've had here, of which uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've definitely gone on record to say I've had, at one point I had four dogs. Um, oh. Yeah, 
That's a, a lot of dogs. It is a lot of dogs. Wow. It's there. It's out there. The stories are out there. <laughs> RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, I now have a lot of dogs. But I grew up with no dogs growing up. I had no dogs growing up. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that you, uh, somebody who had one dog, and now you are Zikat Lede. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you could have like five to seven or eight cats, and your lifestyle doesn't need to be that much different. But I agree. Five to eight dogs, like that's that's intense. It it can be intense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I will admit um, that uh, there the the thing that was for me personally very taxing was simply when two of the dogs of whom are not with us anymore uh, being old and incidentally only one of them uh, had a lot of ailments and the other one did not. Uh-huh. So it was uh-huh. easy to easy to, to deal with that. But having two sick dogs at the same time is just always like, Ugh. Oh, so, my God, yes. What's what's the age range of cats that you have? What's the who, Who's the youngest? Who's the um, oldest? Do they get along? Questions okay. must be answered. Uh, Litter so boxes right will the, be filled. So one of our kittens was – we actually had an adoption happen earlier today. So oh, we nice, down nice. One cat, which is great. Also, we miss him, but also get out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are four cats in the permanent collection here. Uh, that range from the ages of 16 to 4. Okay. And then uh, my sister also lives with us, and she has two cats that are a year old who were fosters from us for about a year old. So altogether we have uh, six cats that permanently live here. And then on top of that, right now, at this moment where we speak, uh, we do have another five foster kittens who are about... 10 to 12 weeks old. Love it. How is, yeah. how is Melon doing? Melon is a champ and she is fantastic. She's like the reason she's like, Jesus is the reason for the season. Like Melon is the reason for my season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Melon sounds she's very fabulous. Special. I mean, I love all my cats. But you know, you get your favorites. And of course. That's okay. She wasn't supposed to live, um, we got her when she was about eight to ten weeks old as a rescue, and she wasn't, according to the vets, she does have a lot of health issues, but she wasn't going to live more than a couple months. So it was like, well, let's adopt her, and then I'm going to give her the best two months of that she could ever have, you know. And then uh, we're just about four years later now. Amazing. That's that's what I love to hear. I love to hear yeah. a new lease on yeah. life and finding a forever home, and you know, being able to live out your the rest of your existence in more or less in comfort and uh, and love. Oh yeah, she's spoiled to the max. She can do whatever. I have a tattoo of her on my arm. So <laughs> that's awesome. So is Melon the most complacent when it comes to uh, getting on the camera with you? No, actually, no, she's not. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> She's not a, a fan of the kittens, and I mean, she's a fucking cat. Yeah, so it's like you can't ask her to like do a thing and expect her to do a thing. She'll do That's it. That's true. You know, when she's ready or whatever. I but, did go um, through a brief period where I trained my cats to walk through a, through a hula hoop on command. <gasps> yes, that is yeah. that is baller. Yeah, have that's, you ever seen the Afro cat? Oh, sorry, what did you ask? Um, have you ever seen the Acro Cat? Acro Cat? Oh, Acro Cat. I believe I have. Yeah. There's a woman named Samantha something something. 
and she has a tour vehicle where she does this like cat circus basically uh, yes. around the country. Yes, what? I have. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, yep. She, like Melon, is flaming. Oh my god! Uh-huh. Oh my god! Yeah. Is there an Instagram as well that uh, that folks can go to take a look at for Club Smoosh, or is it just the YouTube channel? I mean, I have um, a Sarah Sarah Donner party Instagram, and I haven't started another one for any of the cats because I feel like that would be a slippery slope. Oh yeah, and <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm just like I don't know how many social media things I can do. I just want to keep all the cats like the Sarah Donner. Yeah. Who's... When you had to make the choice about hating or loving the historical implications of your last name. What was the turning point that made you embrace it? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, people had always made jokes about my last name and it was either like the cannibal thing with the Donner party or it was Donner and Blitzen. I think it was just since I started, I, I did start working with some folks uh, locally in a band uh, over the past year to make the last album. You know, it was all just talk about, like, are you going to be like Sarah Donner and the blah, 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 or Sarah and the blah, blah, blah. And just nothing really fit. In. And so I just started calling a Sarah Donner party as like a placeholder. Have you ever written anything to cannibalize on this success? <laughs> um. I mean, I have a song about Tamsin Donner, who was the matriarch of the Donner Party uh, in 1845. Then there you go. The answer is yes. Yeah, that's. I think that sounds pretty righteous. Yeah, there's um there's a woman who like retraced the steps of the Donner Party, specifically Tamsin Donner, who was the wife. Her journey from I think it was from Missouri to California, where all the shit hit hit the fan. She was a really incredible feminist. Like, Would you say like, that she was a really... flaming feminist? Did you say a flaming feminist? Flaming. She said a flaming feminist. Yeah, was she a flaming feminist? This story just sounds like a Mysteries at the Museum story. It sounds like a piece of history that is so obscure and I'm kind of fascinated by it. Oh, yeah. She was a flaming feminist. Like, She married her uh, husband, George Donner. He was her second husband. The first husband that she had um, he and her son both died, and then she was a she was a school teacher, and so her husband and her son both died, and she was looking, you know, at that at that time in eighteen forty whatever, you know, there weren't as a woman you kind of just needed to have a man to go forth, and so she met George Donner, who already had three children from another wife who had died, and so she just sort of jumped into this position of being the matriarch of this party and then they were like, let's go across the country and go get gold or whatever it was they were trying to get into California. Yeah. And um, it's kind of amazing because you, like they have her diary and everything and it was like even back then, like men did not want to stop and ask for directions. They would have to ask somebody that was inferior to them, God forbid. Say Sarah, you contributed clips to us. Uh, you know, okay. it, it, it seems apparent that we will have to uh, listen to some of these tracks. Uh, are you excited to listen to what you provided to us? Um, so I didn't listen to all of them all the way through because I was like, I know 
it would be more entertaining if I just listen to it and have commentary as we go. Beautiful. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> so um, we will listen to it. And then um, after that, we'll have discussion. Yeah. Okay. Kick it right here with us. A word from RFB in the meantime. Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. You can also donate to Radio Free Brooklyn by shopping through Amazon Smile, Amazon's charity initiative, where you can shop and support a nonprofit of your choice at the same time. It costs you nothing. Just go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash smile to sign up to have RFB as your donate and start shopping. Welcome back. We've got Sarah Donner on the phone calling in from New Bedford, Massachusetts. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm here. She's here. here. And there you are. Listener, uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, you should most certainly be listening to our past episodes. Because. Why? There's so, because there's so much to listen to. If you want to listen to any of our past episodes, you have a multitude of choices at your disposal. Please go and check out our episodes of previous on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lost and rewound. Or you can check out our profile page, uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash LAR and the megaphone player. You can get any and all of our past episodes with a click of a button right below our information. Uh, we are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podomatic. Um, we, yeah, we are really excited to hear these clips. I cannot begin to imagine what I'm about to hear. I received these three tracks from Rachel. According to her, these are tracks that uh, you felt were appropriate for the show. How did you come about finding these tracks? I believe uh, my husband dug them up from the basement in a box two weeks ago. How often do you visit the basement? (laughs) (laughs) I don't. It's a dungeon down there. It's scary. I don't know. Yeah. So when was the last time you probably have heard what uh, Harriet something is. Um, <laughs> probably 15 years ago, at least. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have any idea what kind of sounds are about to emit? I know what it sounds like, and I vaguely remember what the song is about, uh, but I'm, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, it's so bad. It's just, all right. I was very angry. I don't know. I thought I was like Tori Amos and Ani DeFranco at okay. the same time. Okay, that's perfect. I, I'm, okay. I'm, my, my body is ready and my mind is uh, about to be blown. Rachel? I've never been more ready for this. Onward to Harriet Something by Sarah Donner. Yeah.
Looking at me with your eyes distantly Hold your umbrella and step to the side You're from a time back in 1815 But you stare at me It's over. Oh God, thank God. That's that's what we want to hear. <laughs> Fifteen years, huh? That's it's been... so hard to listen to. What what is hard about listening to something for the first time in fifteen years? I guess um, I guess I hear my earnestness. I think I was very proud of the fact that I was writing about really obscure things at that time. And I had this aversion to writing anything that could be perceived as universal or connect uh, with people um, in any way that wasn't what I intended. Were you trying to distance yourself in other ways? Musically? In general. Um, 
that's like a question for my therapist. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sorry. No, I, I'm we, I'm I'm in training. <laughs> oh, sorry. right, right. You're not paying us right. enough. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I am, but you are also the social worker. I'm off the clock as of uh, 6 p.m. today. Uh, I, I, I am sure that like there was that aspect to it. So I went to a college that was really steeped in classical music, yeah. and and like this is how it goes, and this is how you're supposed to write these songs, and these are this is a chord uh, progression, and this is how it's supposed to go, and this is voice leading, and this is how I was supposed to go, and um, I had this really negative view of things that didn't quite anything that repeated itself too much or like pop music, and so I was always still true to a lot of how I write now. Like my own anxiety kind of keeps me from repeating things too many times because it's like I gotta change, I gotta change it up, gotta change it up. Yeah, you don't want the early stuff is so disjunct mm. that it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> it seems like you were um, trying to like, you know, in there uh, earnestly, as you said, but you know, very successfully from just an uh, you know for to the untrained ear, try to fit in um, you know several different kinds of sounds and yeah, you know, yes, and, yes, and, yes, and, exactly. and, yeah, and I mean, like that's the thing. It's like you're you know you're writing and you're creating stuff that you know might not necessarily work together. It might work well on its own in a more uh, you know formulaic way, but you chose not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I chose to like try to do everything all at once. And expect that that was going to uh, somehow lend itself to some kind of like um, coherency that would, uh, I don't know, attract people to that music. But now I listen to it and I'm like, oh gosh, why did you try to do so many things all at once? There's another song here I'm looking at called Nothing is Falling. What is ah, such an angsty song that I just more angsty. I love the title. I like in my mind when he read that off. I'm like that. That sounds very emo. Yeah. Oh, it is. Um. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't. I. I think I put this in the email to you, but I could not. Uh, at the time, for the band, like everything was just like you have to do it all on your own in front of this like janky old computer and old microphone thing so I didn't have any uh, percussion so I decided to beatbox you beatbox on this track <sighs> I think that's a generous term to say I beatbox are there no, any kazoos I, I, yeah, yeah exactly that's my second question no that was my second question are there any kazoos you stole it no there there are no kazoos I don't think I embraced the kazoo until uh, later in my career oh, okay um, confident. there was no percussion so you opted to beatbox had you ever tried recording beatboxing before this moment? No. So, um, <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Oh I my could god. imagine trying to edit that with with the sound would have been a nightmare. Uh, yeah. So, it, I love that you're doing this podcast because this would never come out. Uh huh. Ever. Uh huh. Um, in any other uh, uh, for, for any reason at all. No, no way. But, no way. Um, but only on this yeah. show. You see. <laughs> That is that is how we roll. Yeah, it, we, so we we, we provide was, a safe place. You do. This is a safe space. It is um, for sure. I was I was a, a pretty big fan of Alanis Morissette. Yeah, I mean, I still am. Yes. Okay. Um, and there was this particular like way that her drums were mixed, 
that I really liked. The way that the drums were mixed had this very uh, compressed drum sound that sounded like that kind of a feel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I liked that a lot, but I didn't know how to get a drummer or mix anything. So I decided to just do it with my mouth. And this is the result. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so 
I actually, I really liked the song. Like I, yeah, me too. I like, I'm forever angsty, and I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like I have way more reason now to be angsty or angry about things, and so I suppose when I hear that, I'm a little like, "What were you complaining about? I don't understand." But at the time, yeah. it was so real for you, whatever it was. This was also 15 years ago. Yeah, and I'm not like, I'm not discounting my, like, who I was 15 years ago, but, uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to look at where you were and where you're going and stuff like that. That is uh, a very astute observation about how you've uh, come up. I mean, because you're clearly, you know, still doing the thing and you're still making it and you are clearly sounding as good as ever and your music is simply uh, just radiant. I mean, it's just a really, it's rich, it's wonderful and it's amazing to hear something like that that you insist will never get released despite the fact that it sounds just like really raw and original. But the beatboxing, as funny as it was, I feel like it was very on brand for what you would become now, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I, I do. I, I agree. Like it was this. Yeah. No. And whatever. I would still do that now. Like if that was all that was available to me. Yeah. Um, as an artist. And I was like, I really feel like I need this. And I some part and all I can do is make it myself. Well, fuck it. Yeah. I'll make it myself. And I could see you doing that ironically, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could, I could do that ironically, too. And I was, yeah, I, mean, I was getting, like, some Linkin Park vibes from it. Yeah? Yeah, in, like, a good way, in, like, a funny way. Oh, wow. I, I will take that as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you were basically creating Mike Shinoda drums with your mouth. And I would say it was uh, very... Flamin'? Su- it was for sure flamin'. A successfully flaming try there, considering that if you had not told me that you had been beatboxing, I would have just taken it as actual just tinny drums, which would have worked fine for the way it was being used in the song. And now that I know you beatbox it, I have even more of an appreciation for it. Wait, this isn't how this podcast podcast is supposed to go, right? Like, you're, no, it like, is. It's supposed to be embarrassing. You're not supposed to like tell me that. Oh, it's embarrassing. But I, oh, but, okay. to, but but make but make no mistake. I love the okay. embarrassing stuff because I okay. cherish it no differently than anybody else's stuff. In that, as long as there's something that's there that you're willing to share, I think uh-huh. I can just appreciate its existence. Yeah, we like we want to strengthen the person and not take them down through their old work. I like this. Let's keep going. Okay. We got one more. No, we got one more of the tracks that you uh, provided uh, to Rachel. Uh, we do actually have uh, one after, a bonus one, but uh, we'll save that for last. In the meantime, uh, I fed your fish. Hmm? You fed my fish? Why would you do such a thing? Can I give a little, like, background to this song? No, we play the song. No, of course you can. Come okay. on. What up? Okay. I had forgot. Yeah, I, I had not listened to this song in, like I said, like whatever I don't know, ten to fifteen years ago, and uh, I, I came across it 
and it was this song that I wrote um, when uh, the, the the man who's my partner now, uh, he was like on vacation with his dad in Paris. It's almost like a snapshot of how nothing has really changed in our relationship because it's basically about like feeding cats and fish and uh, um, just like it's kind of mundane and like I was saying like how I felt like it was, it was below me to write something that could be universal and I had to write things that were very specific lest anyone be inspired. Sure. I don't know. So anyways, this is very much in that vein of, of here's a very specific thing that nobody else can take and make it their own. <laughs> Beautifully said. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, onward, we listen to I Fed Your Fish. My fish. Y- your fish. Red fish. Dead, no. Blue fish. <laughs> Dead Blue fish. No. While you were gone It was something to do While you were courting Monet and wheels of cheese I wrote this tune It was warm and the cat was on my lap he made it hard to play and write the words Cause he ate the pencil And while you were reading a book in Paris, France I wrote this verse And you should know I'm doing very well I have the sun and the squirrel on the sill I fed the frogs and all your fish as well I even remembered to feed myself I wrote this song while you were gone Simply plucked out some chords And while you slept without a doubt eight hours ahead I wrote over but did you feed the plants probably (laughs) (laughs) how dare you you did not remember to give the daily watering Uh, i've 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 killed so many succulents so yeah i I don't want to assume that i actually did (laughs) no i don't have a green thumb either i would kill every plant i can only be an imperfect pet owner how was this for you? How was the song? Because all three of them, you've asked, is it over? And what prompted this one? I feel like out of all three of these songs, like that's probably the song that, like if I had to pick one to still play, that might be it. Because it's not so angsty, I suppose. It's just very like matter of fact. Hey, this is what I was doing. If you were to play it live, 
would you play it as it was, or would you rework it a little bit and you know give it more of your current music touch? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think I would play it as it was. If I was going to change anything about it, I really have to change the lyrics, I feel, to justify any musical changes. Understood, yeah. Because, <laughs> no, it's dated. And, I mean, I, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. it represents a, a specific time, and there's it's not timeless in the uh, specificity of the lyrics, right? Uh it is not timeless. It is not like Meet Me in St. Louis or like The Parent Trap. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a dope reference. The Parent Trap. I mean, My roommate referenced The Parent Trap last night too. What? And Freaky Friday as well. Of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the original Parent Trap with Haley Mills. I haven't I seen watched, that one. It was probably a couple of years ago. I liked it a lot as a child too. And so recently I've watched it, and I think it does hold up. I'd be interested in seeing if it holds up somebody who's never seen it before. Did you watch a lot of Disney Channel when you were growing up? So I watched a lot of Disney Channel on the weeks where they were free on cable. Yes. You know what I mean? Like It'd be like, hi, I'm Nancy at the Disney Channel. I'm an operator here. If you like to subscribe, blah, 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 blah. We would get like a week of the Disney Channel for free, and so we would just turn the VCR on. And record everything. Everything. So, yeah, yeah. So I had all this Disney Channel stuff, but like just like in frozen in time. I get it. For a week in, you know, like 1990 something. I don't know. I still have so much Disney Channel recorded on VHS. Recently, wow. um, in a big treasure trove uh, uh, dig at the old house. The old house. The old that, house Alon. <laughs> yes, home base. Home base had uh, quite a plethora of uh, craft for me to bring back to Brooklyn. And uh, one of the halls was a, a number of VHS tapes. And included in that was uh, like Disney Channel stuff that I recorded. Do you ever watch like commercials on old yes. VHS tapes? It's my favorite thing. Commercials are pretty oh. amazing. I I, call, yeah. I I recently found an old uh, broadcast of CNN from yeah. like 1988, oh. 89. That's straight out of the archive. Maybe 1990. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you probably have even more in your basement that represents uh, different times of your life. Not necessarily this particular time, but there's more where this came from, I imagine. I imagine so. I don't know that it's digitally available. Mm-hmm. At this point, I did make some cassette tapes, I'm sure, at some point. Sure. I know that there are VHS tapes of me singing, you know, in some, like, earlier performing things that I used to do, but, um, you know. You know, uh, Rachel recorded you on video once. That's true. That is accurate. (laughs) It was at that first concert because that was back in my... um, God. <laughs> back in my video everything days when I first started getting into like very, very, very not even amateurish uh, filmmaking. And I had an iPod touch, which really was my first capability of being able to enter the world of mass media and film everything. I have a few uh, videos from that day and we have one here today. What? Yeah. No. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Oh, oh, now we're doing the embarrassing. Oh, look. No, no. It's kind of it's kind of like a lost and rewound Inception going on right now. What's going on? I'm never gonna be president now. (laughs) Shall we? It was a hot, sexy bass. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know what song that was for the first half of it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because I feel like I don't perform it the same way anymore. Or at least in my head, I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah. What was but, the name of that song? In a way. In a way. No, it's called Going Under. Oh, and then oh. in parentheses. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, because, yeah, it depends on which way you look at it. Yeah. What do you mean? I released it a couple times. So. Yeah. Oh. 
no, nope, Rachel's right. Rachel's right. At this concert, my dad took a look around and he said, man, there's a lot of lesbians here. And <laughs> and I said, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> Yeah, he woke. He woke. I don't. I don't think he was used to his thirteen-year-old child coming back with that response. But yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> this has been such a special episode, Rachel. Thank you for introducing me to Sarah Donner. Sarah Donner, thank you for being on this show. Yes, thank you so much for doing this. Oh my gosh! Thank you for uh, bringing back all the awkward memories that I have forgotten. I I feel very special that that these things are still out there even if I feel funny about them. Look up for her music. It's on com, and she's on Instagram at Party. Pretty easy to remember. <laughs> or is there a dash in there? Sorry, I forgot. If it, or excuse me, a dot. No, no, no. No, no. I am Party. All one word. Don't forget uh, to uh, listen to or watch her. Watch her. Watch her, damn it. Live streaming watch show me. on stageit.com at 6 p.m. on December 15th. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Before we head out of here, we have some very important holiday-related announcements to make. And Rachel, what do you have to tell us? Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, RFB turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free, independent radio for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners... Fun challenges with some great prizes. The first is a trivia quiz to find out just how well you know RFB. The top five scorers will win a limited edition five-year anniversary RFB t-shirt. You can also dial 718-673-8201 to leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB or to wish us a happy birthday. Your message may be played on the air. Far out. Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. And thank you for curating this week's edition of Lost and Rewound. This is a first for you, and I'm grateful that uh, you uh, were able to make it happen. I'm honestly so happy nothing went wrong. Yay! Yeah! We'll catch you here next week for another edition of Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bye-bye! Are you capable of killing a plant on purpose? No, because I don't even know how to kill a plant other than to not give it food and nutrients and water. You could just like pull it out of the ground or like... Yo, there's a lot of invasive plants that you have to know about in New York City. You got to be real careful. There's a lot of ways to torture a plant. And I'm asking if you're emotionally capable of torturing those plants. Uh, No, (laughs) I don't think I have the chutzpah. To provide such emotional duress to a succulent. What a mensch. Until the day that Audrey 2 comes into play, I- I'm pretty much just going to keep uh, to myself. But I'll, I'll, I think I'll, that's a safe, safe bet right there. Yeah, I mean, I'll fuck a plant up if it tries to eat me, but uh, it's not. <laughs> just, just, I'm just saying, it's not going to happen anytime soon.